Strong means that it's time once again for another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We just came off an awesome conversation last week with Axe from Demolition, and we got another good topic here today. My name is Jay, and sitting across from me, as always, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, how are you doing this week, brother? Jumping Jay, what's going on, man? Hey, I, I just want to let I want to let you know. I, I know I sent you the, the the text messages, but I don't know, man. Some people agreed with you that I did sound more more like Paul Bearer than Bushwhacker Luke those first two weeks. While a few people agreed with me, I sounded more like Bushwhacker Luke than Paul Bearer. But I, I do digress. Yeah, man, we're gonna have another episode, awesome episode of '80s Wrestling, the podcast. Uh, we're re- we're really calling this one in the ring because we were scheduled to have a guest, and uh, we just called him right before we went on the air, and unfortunately something came up and he can't make it. We're going to reschedule him for next week, so we're going live with no topic whatsoever. So if you want to really call it in the ring, we're going to call it in the ring this time, and I'm just going to throw a topic out there just for the heck of it because uh, we, we obviously have no notes written down we have nothing planned for this. We're really calling this in the ring. I say, Jay, let's. You just said it was WrestleMania season. Let's talk about WrestleMania two. Now, I want to talk about WrestleMania two. And while I'm doing that, I'm sure we're both going to go to Google and look up WrestleMania two for the uh, complete lineup of matches. I thought it'd be cool to talk about WrestleMania two on the road to WrestleMania. Because this was the only time ever there were three different locations showing WrestleMania 2 live. And uh, one was at the Nassau Coliseum in New York. One was in Chicago. And then the other was in L.A. I'm really surprised, Jay, that they haven't brought this concept back. Especially considering the amount of money that the well obviously right now with with COVID it would be a little tough but the amount of money the live attendance brings in as far as seating and merchandise goes I I think that's a no-brainer to do in this day and age and it would be exciting as well what was your take on Wrestlemania 2 the way it was structured first off and then bringing it back that concept in 2021 or 22 before we get into the lineup Well, since you just threw that topic out, no research done. Right off the top of my head, I'm thinking the only reason they attempted the multi-city mania was they were trying to up the first WrestleMania. So I imagine there there were meetings after the first WrestleMania. It was a big success. What can we do to make the second one an even bigger spectacle? And so I'm sure somebody said, well, let's let's hold it in a few different cities. Big main events in each city. It'll build up the uh, it'll build up the excitement in, in multiple places. And I think it was a good idea, but you have to ask if they haven't done it again since. There must be a reason. Whether logistically, it's just hard to get that many crews in that many places to set up. Travel schedules. Maybe you know you're worried that a flight to one city might make it, but a flight to another might not and so there has to be some reason they haven't went back to that now i would think it would be easier to pull off something like that 
in today's world than it was back in 1986, but they pulled it off then. And from a fan's point of view, now I was just a young kid, but from a fan's point of view, it seemed to go off pretty smooth. Now I got to believe behind the scenes with different time zones and switching from one area to another, it was probably some, uh, some hustle behind the scenes from a production standpoint, but I think the show itself went off pretty darn well as far as a viewing standpoint what do you think is a reason that they haven't gone back to that tommy like you said maybe logistically with the different time zones and whatnot but also maybe the cost of production which is probably a ton of money um maybe doing that times three would be you know just too much money for them to do and maybe it didn't make maybe it doesn't make sense for them financially i I, on paper i i love the i love the concept of three different locations it's exciting but what they're doing now what they did last year obviously because of covid and this year is they're doing wrestlemania two days uh saturday and sunday i actually think that's cool uh, especially this year considering they're going to have a live audience uh there for the uh, the two days, I think it's exciting to have WrestleMania be a two day event. But I just love that concept of the three different cities having WrestleMania. Yeah, the, you're right though, Jay. There has to be a reason why that they haven't gone back to that idea. And like you said, maybe it is that they were trying to one up the first WrestleMania that do something bigger. And obviously, they did that with the following year's WrestleMania at the Pontiac Silverdome. Uh, WrestleMania, the early ones, one of the cool things about uh, WrestleManias was the celebrities that were involved in it. And they've gotten away from that in recent years. And I wish that they would bring that back because those celebrities, the celebrity involvement gives it that bigger feel. Now, I mean, they still do it, obviously. They had Floyd Mayweather. They they bring in a, a celebrity here and there. But I'm talking about going all out, having several celebrities at, at the first few WrestleManias. And WrestleMania 2 was definitely up there as far as the celebrity involvement goes. Right off the bat, they had Ray Charles coming out, singing America the Beautiful before the show started at the Nassau Coliseum. And the celebrity guest in attendance for the New York uh, segment of WrestleMania included several uh, big names, including Lou Duva, who was in the corner of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Lou Duva was one of, if not the most famous uh, boxing trainer of all time. Joan Rivers was there. Uh, Susan St. Uh, Susan St. James was there. And then, you know, other celebrities in the Chicago one included, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, who can never forget him being in the corner of the British Bulldogs against Greg Valentine or Brutus Beefcake or the, you know, the, the battle Royal with all the different NFL players that was in uh, uh, WrestleMania two, William Perry being one of the, the ones that we remember the most him eliminating big John stud uh, Kathy Lee Crosby was there. And then at the Los Angeles one, they had Tommy Lasorda there, Elvira. So, I mean, there was just a huge amount of celebrity involvement at WrestleMania 2 and the first few WrestleManias. Is that something that you think uh, or something you wish that they would bring back, Jay, is more celebrity involvement in the WrestleManias just to make it feel like a, a just an extravagant uh, event? I think anytime you add a celebrity from 
non-wrestling. So if you take just a Hollywood celebrity, whether it be a movie star, whether it be somebody who has a hit record at the time, I, I think it does bring more eyes to the product. Now, I think one of the reasons why we've gotten a little bit away from seeing that is for a while, wrestlers were enjoying celebrity status of their own within main culture, especially towards the attitude era. Like if you weren't watching wrestling, you were missing out on what was big within pop culture. And so I think early in the eighties, you had to have that tie in to regular everyday citizens that your moms and your dads would know because it did bring eyes to the product. And I liked that they would have a mixture of how they would use these celebrities. Like you said, Ray Charles sang America, the beautiful, they always had a celebrity singer perform America, the beautiful at the start of the early WrestleManias. And then you would have other celebrities, whether it be from the world of boxing or the world of football or the world of, movies you'd have them tied in to either a certain match that's taking place or you would have them help do some of the interviews behind the stage and so i did think it brought a lot of much needed press early on when wrestlemania maybe couldn't stand on its own celebrity its own stardom so you needed these outside people and i think it's neat that so many of them we're willing to step into the world of wrestling because if you're, if you're Kathy Lee Crosby, you're not known for being in the world of wrestling for you to, you know, cross over and use your celebrity to help promote the item. I think it's great. I would always be up for seeing more celebrities involved in wrestling. Yeah, me too, man. And uh, it's funny. This, this past weekend was the Royal rumble and I I watched it. I, I, I don't watch it on a regular basis anymore, but for the, pay-per-views are the bigger pay-per-views I, I definitely watch it and they had this guy come out called bad bunny and he was singing and i'm like oh my god this is absolutely horrendous it's horrible that booker t standing behind him singing until jay i said who is this bad bunny so i looked him up on instagram and check this out he had 29 million followers so that says that one I'm very out of touch with what's hip and happening in the year 2021. And two, I understand now, uh, I look at it from a business standpoint, not as a fan, uh, why they're doing what they're doing because, uh, and, and it's, it's rumored that he's going to have involvement uh, in WrestleMania this year, possibly in a match teaming with someone against the Miz and Morrison. And it makes complete and total sense because if they do that, they, and, and, and WrestleMania this year is two days, so they have more leeway of adding a couple additional matches. And, you know, he's not actually taking the spot of someone else on the show when you have two days to fill of, of matches. Uh, it, it makes sense because now, you know, when he starts promoting this to his, his following, you have 29 million possible new eyes on your product. Now, are all of them going to order it? Absolutely not. If you get a half a percent, a half a percent, 29 million people ordering WrestleMania to see him. I mean, you're talking about a game changer there. So I completely understand why they're doing it. And when there's an opportunity to have that many new eyes on your product, having a celebrity involvement in something big like WrestleMania, it makes complete sense, man. That just tells you that when you're living in the eighties still, Tommy, you miss out on what's going on in hip hop culture. (laughs) Uh, it means we're getting old. That's what it means. Now, look, I have no idea 
who Bad Bunny is. I did not watch uh, the Raw where he was on, but I did see it on social media that he was part of the show. And my initial thought was Snoop Dogg was just on AEW and was kind of mixing it up there and did a top rope splash. And then Bad Bunny comes up in WWE and does a top rope splash. Now, in my mind, I thought it was WWE's answer to having Snoop Dogg uh, on AEW, but you're right. If he's got that many followers, if he's that hot right now, if he's the it artist to the young generation, utilizing him is a brilliant move because it's going to bring eyes to your product. Like you said, even if a small percentage of Bad Bunny fans tune in to wrestling, pay to watch WrestleMania, it's it's box office gold, and that's what WWE is looking for. They're looking for uh, money, especially. You got to you got to think with no touring and no live shows in 2020, they're hurting just like the rest of businesses in, in, in the world. And so anything you can do to bring eyes on the product is always good for wrestling. Absolutely. Let's let's run down WrestleMania 2's card. Uh, like I said, it was in three different locations. The first one was at the Nassau Coliseum. The second was that one was at the Rosemont Horizon. And then the third one was at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. The first match of the show of WrestleMania 2 saw the magnificent Morocco with Mr. Fuji in his corner, and he fought Paul Orndorff to a double countout. That match opened up WrestleMania 2. Uh, WrestleMania 1, obviously, Paul Orndorff was in the main event, teaming with Roddy Piper against uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. One year later, he's now in the opener. However, he is a babyface this time against uh, Don Morocco. Um, I mean, what good opener for WrestleMania 2. Two big 80s names going at it. Listen, when you're talking opening match, it's an important match because it sets the tone. It gets people interested. And so some people think there's a stigma to being the first match on a card. But really, I think it's more important than the second or third match because this people have been waiting around for this show. And so you got to open up with something that catches their attention that they're excited to see. And I know you were a huge Paul Orndorff fan growing up Uh, the magnificent Morocco, the original rock. What I love about this match is it ended in a double count out. Like that's old school wrestling. When's the last time you're going to see, or when's the most recent time you're going to see a good old fashioned double count out in a match at WrestleMania. Like, I think what that does is it gives the feud more legs. They can go back. They can wrestle again. You don't have a clear winner. And so I like that about that match. I'm happy that that's the way that one ended. Um, and I just looked ahead to what the second card on the match was. So my whole, the first match is more important than the second card or second match on the card might be out the window when we talk about the, the second match. But I like that as a first matchup. You were a Mr. Wonderful fan. Were you disappointed that he didn't get the clear victory over Morocco? No, nah, I mean, I was a kid, man. I was all right with it. But, yeah, I like, I like the idea also of a double countout. The second match, obviously, was a big one, and that was Randy Macho Man Savage defending the Intercontinental title, uh, defeating George the Animal Stale. They did a great, great, great buildup to this where George Stale kept wanting to, you know, go out with Elizabeth, and, you know, this was a nice spot. For, for both of those guys on the show. Uh. This is the storytelling match. Nobody really thought George the Animal 
had a chance of winning the icy belt from Savage, but the storytelling about how he pined after Elizabeth and how he was kind of this, this character where you didn't really know if he was all there. You didn't know what he would do famous for eating the stuffing out of turnbuckles and you have the jellish Savage going after him again. So I love the storytelling in this match. I think it's a, it's a classic matchup. When you talk about early WrestleManias, it's not a technical, wonderfully done match, but the storytelling was so great leading up to it that it deserved a spot on the grandest stage of them all. And so this was a nice little kickoff match in the number two spot to see Savage retain over uh, George the Animal. Now, did little Jumpin' Jay in Minnesota really think that George still had a shot with Elizabeth or what? Listen, as, as a bald-headed man myself, we look to guys like George, uh, you know, for inspiration to, to marry outside of their, their league. Now, I wasn't bald when I was a little kid, you know, but no, you never thought he had a chance. But what you loved was that Miss Elizabeth had that heart. She was caring. She was sympathetic. She didn't want to be romantically involved with George, but she wanted to be friends. And so I think that came across even to a young kid. And I think also this angle really put Savage on the map as just a, one of the best heels in the business. Because remember, this is beginning of 1986. Uh, you know, fast forward a year is when he's having that classic match with Ricky Steamboat. So his character is still relatively new in the WWF at that time. So I, I really feel like this feud with George Steele put him on the map as a great heel because George was such a lovable character and you, you really, as a fan, you really wanted to see, you know, him get Elizabeth. And, and Savage was just so overprotective of her and treated her like crap. So I think this was a perfect spot uh, for Randy Savage uh, at this, this show. Uh, next up is a quick one. Uh, this match only goes three minutes and 15 seconds. And it was Jake the Snake Roberts, who was another newcomer in the WWF at the time defeating George Wells. Now, this is something you really didn't see often in, in future WrestleManias was a quick, you know, squash match. The first year you had King Kong Bundy beating SD Jones in nine seconds. Uh, WrestleMania two, obviously Jake Roberts makes quick work of George Wells. We didn't really see any, you know, and I hate to say squash matches, but you really haven't seen anything like that since then. Um, so really WrestleMania one and WrestleMania two, but again, Jake was so new and he's on a grand stage here. It was a great way to put him on the map. And what I remember most about this show, Jay, and I'm sure you do as well is afterwards uh, how, you know, that snake was wrapped around George Walls's neck and just the foam is coming out of his mouth. That really, really, really put Jake on the map as just a sadistic hill. You got to think that the whole point, of this match was just to have Damien slither over Wells and kind of get that over in the minds of fans. Because from a match standpoint, I'll be honest, I don't remember the match at all, but I remember the aftermath. And so you have to think with a squash match, squash match, this small, this short, they were just trying to get Jake over. Absolutely. And the main event of the first uh, part of WrestleMania two at the Nassau Coliseum, and no one can ever forget this. This is a classic. It was Mr. T who had Joe Frazier, of all people, in his corner, one of the greatest of all time, with also the Haiti Kid, uh, defeating Rowdy Roddy Piper, 
by disqualification. We all remember at the end there, Roddy Piper body slammed Mr. T. Piper had Bob Orton and, as I mentioned earlier, Lou Duva in his corner. And uh, uh, they go with Mr. T again for the second WrestleMania. Obviously, the first one, he's in the main event uh, across the ring from Piper as well. And it just goes to show that, you know, a whole year goes by and they, they still go with the, the same angle between T and, and Piper. And, and they did a, just a fantastic job building this boxing matchup. And it definitely had that big match feel to it. And just the, the vignettes and the, the videos of Piper training for his match against, uh, against Mr. T was awesome. What's your thoughts on this whole angle and match? And also, uh, when you're done with that, I want to tell you a funny story about how I uh, could have met Roddy Piper and never did. I think I told you this off, off, uh, off air one time, but I, I'll tell it here on the show. This match is just it's it's a gimmick match, but it fit the time period because they carried over the feud from WrestleMania one. I'm you know, I'm forty years old and I still don't know if there was legit heat between Piper and Mr. T. Like they seem to really despise one another and for them to have a boxing match, not a wrestling match, because if you were going to step Mr. T against Piper in a wrestling match, you would fully expect Piper to win. Now, Mr. T is tough dude. He was in the eighties marketed as one of the toughest guys in Hollywood. And you believed it. I think he might've had some amateur fighting or some uh, tough enough, tough man competition type fighting in his background. But I love that they didn't go a wrestling match because that opens up the opportunity to expose weaknesses in the performance of the non-wrestler boxing match. You strap on the gloves and you let them just go at it. And that's what they did. Now they had to be worried that someone's going to get knocked out. Maybe they, they didn't know if that would happen or not, but I love that they started off with the boxing match and then Piper gets frustrated, slams Mr. T. And then that's the end. I think it was smart to carry over the feud from WrestleMania one because at the time Mr. T still had a lot of popularity and main culture. And so I think to carry it over, it was a wise move. I don't know where else you would have booked Piper on that card that year. So I think it was a good fit for both. And it made WrestleMania two rememberable. It's one of those things that people remember from WrestleMania two. Now, Tommy, I don't remember your story about almost meeting hot rod and not. So please share. Oh yeah. Maybe I didn't tell you this. This is when I was a kid, and it was right before WrestleMania two, and Lou Duva's boxing gym was about, I'd say, 10 blocks from where I lived at when I was a kid, and Roddy Piper was there training, or they were filming something for his match against Mr. T at WrestleMania two, and I remember being outside, and one of the kids runs down the street, Roddy Piper. And, we, and me and all my friends, we loved, loved, loved WWF as a kid. Everyone in the neighborhood did. We all, we all watched it. And the little kid ran down saying, Roddy Piper's down the street at the boxing gym. So all, all the kids are getting ready to go meet him. I don't know what I did, Jay, if I had done something wrong or if I was punished or I was in trouble. I don't know what it was. But for some reason, my parents did not let me go with all the other kids to try and meet Roddy Piper. I, 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 
I was what I was nine years old at the time, so I don't know. I don't know what happened or if I did something wrong. I, I don't think I did, but I, I, for some reason, didn't let me go. I don't know why. And maybe an hour or two later, all the kids come back, and they all have autographs of Roddy Piper. They waited outside the boxing gym, and when he came out, he signed for everyone. And you know, as many years I've been promoting, and as many guys that I used on my shows, I've never met Roddy Piper. So, And he was one of my favorites of all time. So I had the chance to meet him when I was a little kid, which would have meant a million times more than meeting him as an adult. So I, I never met him. And I still, to this day, Jay, little, little, little teeny part of me will always have heat with my mom and dad for not letting me meet <laughs> Roddy Piper as a kid. But yeah, he was, the boxing gym was right down the street from my house and he was there and all everyone in the neighborhood got to meet him, but I didn't. That yeah. is a that's wild. Have you talked to your parents about this story? Do they remember they, this? They have no idea. They don't remember. I, something must have happened. I don't know what it was. Okay. Um, do you think? Do you think it was legit? Do you think it really was Rowdy Piper? Have you seen no, yeah, these autographs from these kids? It definitely, it definitely was because one of the kids got was. their picture taken with them, and and I saw the picture afterwards. So yeah. It, oh, it, that it must have killed was, you when you saw that picture. Killed me. Killed because me. Because here's dead. the deal. Here's the deal. It happens that day, and you are incredibly bummed out, okay? But that kid did not have an iPhone. He didn't have a digital picture to show you. He had to wait to get that roll of film developed. Your wound is healing. You're kind of getting over it. And then a week and a half later, he shows you the picture, and you experience the trauma all over again. And he rubbed rubbed it in my face, Jay. (laughs) However, as as he should have. I would, yeah, I would get my revenge because just 13 years later, uh, that was WrestleMania 2, 13 years later at WrestleMania 15, I was actually in WrestleMania 15 dressed as one of the police officers arresting the big show. So I got back at him because I'm sure he was watching and he saw me on there. I didn't know that either. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, no. I, was actually, I was actually in WrestleMania 15. It was, it was in Philly. Uh, back then, Jim Cornette was in charge of doing all the third-party bookings uh, for independent guys, and they added a spot uh, the day before WrestleMania 15 where the big show got arrested. And back then, there was no cell phones. Uh, there were just pagers and, and home phones. So Jim Cornette was trying to call all the local guys in the area uh, to book them, but they were all on their way to my show. Cause I, I ran a show the day before WrestleMania 15. So he had beat me, and I, I saw the area code was 203, so I knew it was Connecticut. So I called back, and it was Cornette, and he's like, listen, I, he's like, we, need, we added this segment, I can't get a hold of everyone. Uh, I heard they're all on the way to your show. Can you please book 12 guys uh, to be in Philly tomorrow for WrestleMania 15, and you can include yourself as one of them. And I'm over here, you know, I'm, I'm playing cool. Oh, yeah, no problem. And inside, I'm like freaking out. Holy shit, I'm going to be in WrestleMania. So, uh it was cool, man. It was awesome. Uh, one thing I was disappointed about was it wasn't in front of the live audience, which would have been really, really cool. It was a backstage vignette where we're outside and, and, and he, he gets arrested outside. Uh, but still, man, it's still, it was still super cool to, to say that I was a part of WrestleMania, you know? That is very cool. If, if, if a guy were to search out WrestleMania 15 and watch it, are you on camera? Yeah, I am. And I, I actually made a point 
uh, <laughs> I actually made a point of uh, when 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 the driver's closing his door, I'm saying close that, close that, just so I can say something on air. Obviously, the, the freaking <laughs> the driver's gonna close his door to take off, but I just wanted to say something. But uh, yeah, if you watch that, it's I believe it's after. Uh, I just remember Blue Meanie and Goldust walking back up the ramp. So whatever that match was, uh, after they're walking up the ramp, Goldust and Blue Meanie, and then it goes right into the uh, the, the spot where we arrest the big show. And, uh, yeah, if anyone that's listening and goes back and watches it, you'll see me on there. And at the time, I'm only what am I, 20, 21 or 22 years old. So, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. That is incredible. So where did you you get to watch the rest of Mania then, or where do you what do you do after your your time is done there? Well, we were just you know we were backstage, so you would there was monitors like in the catering area, so you know we would we watched the rest there. But yeah, it was awesome. And I also remember one of the highlights of being backstage there for WrestleMania was you know the whole locker room is 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 by the monitors watching. Uh, the brawl, uh, brawl for all match with uh, boxing match. I'm sorry, with uh, Bark Gun and Butterbean, and I'm sure you remember how quickly that went. And you just heard a sigh come out of the entire locker room when uh, when Bark got knocked out, and uh, everyone it was silent in there. But uh, I remember that as one of the the highlights of, of being there that day. But yeah, it was super cool, man. Super cool. That's that's a great story. We could we could talk more about that for sure. I got to jump on YouTube and see if I can find that clip. I'd love to see 21 year old Tommy Fiero telling the driver of a car, "You got to shut that door, man. Shut that door. <laughs> Don't drive away yet." I like it. Good for you, man. That's exciting. Yeah, your WrestleMania moment. I never knew. Learning yeah, something it, new on today's show. I love it. It's cool, man. It was, I could I could say even though it was for 30 seconds, I could still say I was in a WrestleMania. So uh, exactly. You know, as a, as a, as a fan watching WrestleMania two, if you were to tell me 13 years later you're going to be in WrestleMania, I mean, I would say pinch me or you're lying or the hell out of here. So I got my revenge from uh, little Georgie who uh, rubbed that Roddy Piper picture in my face. Little did punk. you did you send Georgie a, a copy of the WrestleMania 15 DVD? <laughs> I should have right. You should have. So let's go to you part should've. two of WrestleMania two. This this took place in the Rosemont Horizon. Uh, the first match of uh, that was the fabulous Moolah uh, defending and retaining her women's title against Velvet McIntyre. That's a name that we don't hear very often. Uh, and uh, who someone in, in that time frame was one of the top women wrestlers in the world. Um, yeah, it was an interesting match. The fabulous Moolah, I mean, she was women's wrestling for for a long time in a lot of people's eyes. And so she definitely deserved a spot on WrestleMania. Now, I know there's some controversy surrounding her now. Velvet McIntyre, I don't remember much about her. Um, I Just looking at her name now, she's got a little bit of Irish descent. So maybe uh, she was a little bit of the man before Becky Lynch. Um, but Drew, you know, it, was, there, it, was, it was Drew's mom. Whatever, <laughs> right? Whatever. Uh, but no, I mean, you got to have at that time the women's championship was around. It was being defended. It had a prominent spot at the WrestleMania one card, and so no, you have to have it. Um, and so I think it's a great kickoff match for their second location. 
Definitely. And that was followed up with uh, Corporal Kirshner defeating Nikolai Volkov in a flag match. That is correct. And classy Freddie Blassie was also involved in that match. And he, uh, he had a little something to do with the finish of that. He threw his cane in, um, but Kirshner caught it and he hit Nikolai. And that's how he, he, he got the pin for the victory in a flag match. Is that how flag matches work? I think he, I don't, I don't remember the the finish, but I think he he then went and got the flag or something like that. I I, I do want to say though, I, uh, you don't really hear too much about Corporal Kirshner. And I, so I remember as a kid, I, I, I really, I really enjoyed him as a kid. And, you know, he had his LJN figure and, um, you know, he just, you know, that's something you just don't hear about. I know later he would go on uh, years later, go to Japan as Leatherface. Uh, was, was he, correct me if I'm wrong, was he brought in after Sergeant Slaughter left just to play that, that, uh, that American role? I think you're right about that. I think he was the stand-in for Sergeant Slaughter. And then when Slaughter was able to come back, I think is when you can only have one United States soldier in your ranks, I guess. And so that's when he had to, to go away. But the biggest thing that I remember about him is his LJN figure. There's a lot of like desire for certain figures because in some figures he was clean shaven. Some he had stubble, one he had a beard. And so like among collectors, like there's three LJN figures of Corporal Kirshner that you're on the hunt for. And so whenever I think of him, honestly, the LJN figure is what pops in my head. Maybe he, maybe we'll have to have him be one of the upcoming eighties wrestling virtual signing series guests. If you could get anyone and you've had a couple already, but when you get people that had an LJN figure, like I think people are excited because I've seen your live signings and I've seen some people send them in and get them autographed. And some people still have them in the original package, which is just amazing. If we knew back in, you know, the early eighties, what we know now, we would have all bought multiple figures and kept them mint in their, on their card for, for oh, years man. to come. But it's crazy when those things come across your signers table. I've even noticed a lot of the wrestlers that you have signing when an old piece of merchandise comes in front of them across the table they pick it up and they actually look at it and they study it for a while. You can tell like they haven't held one in a number of years. And so it's cool to them to see it. So if you could get him to do some autograph signings, I think that'd be amazing. Absolutely. And uh, also I, I noticed people are sending in uh, LJN posters as well. I just got one in the mail today for Bob Orton. Uh, his is coming up on March 22nd. So they're sending not only the, the action figures, but they're also sending the LJN posters as well. I mean, LJN has such a LJN WWF fingers have such a cult following on 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 social media. You can see a bunch of pages dedicated to them on on Facebook. There's so many WWF LJN collectors out there. But yeah, I'm starting to see posters pop up as well. I, I guess now would be a, a good time to uh, throw a plug for our virtual signings that we do what Jay was just saying is we bring the wrestlers in and you can either order a autograph picture on our website and tune in and watch them sign it live or you can send in your own wrestling merchandise that you have of them and uh, once you send it in we have them sign it and then we ship it back out to you and we have a ton of upcoming signings coming up and uh, we'll talk a bit more about that at the end of the episode but for all the different signings coming up you can head over to 80s wrestling con 
WrestlingCon.com. Again, 80swrestlingcon.com. Next up was one of the famous WrestleMania moments, especially from WrestleMania 2. It was the WWF versus NFL Battle Royal. And it came down to Andre the Giant and the Hart Foundation. Andre picks up the win. But one of the biggest spots of that match, which we mentioned earlier, was the refrigerator, William Perry, throwing out Big John Stud. I remember the next day as a kid, uh, back then, I'm sure you did too, all the local newspapers, they'd always post about, not post, they would always print about uh, wrestling coming up in the area or the big events they would cover. And I just remember seeing a picture the next day in the newspaper of William Perry throwing out Big John Stud. That battle royal, definitely a WrestleMania moment. Huge WrestleMania moment because, again, you had that cross-culture thing happening where you had NFL players getting inside the ring. Wrestlers were tough dudes. Football players from the NFL, tough dudes. And so people were interested to see what would happen when you get a couple of the NFL people in the ring with professional wrestling. And so I think it piqued a lot of people's interest. And so I do think a lot of people that maybe weren't wrestling fans but were fans of football tuned into this show just for this battle royal. And I will tell you this about, man, it must have been 15 or 20 years ago here in my hometown, we have a minor league baseball team. And every once in a while, they'll bring in a celebrity to do a, an autographed session or just to make an appearance. And about 15, 20 years ago, they brought William the Refrigerator Perry to my local ball field so he could sign some football merchandise. I was the only one that approached him and talked to him about pro wrestling because he's not a pro wrestler. Most people don't know him as that, but he was involved in the WrestleMania two battle Royal. And so I talked to him for a bit about that. He was happy. I brought it up. He enjoyed it, but yeah, what a cool thing to have big names from outside of wrestling actually take part and have a moment at WrestleMania. Eliminating Big John Studd. That's a moment at WrestleMania. I like that match. Yeah, me too, man. And some of the names in that, some of the WWF stars that were in that Battle Royal, uh, which was their only WrestleMania moment or match, included uh, Ted Arcidi, who uh, I believe that was his only WrestleMania moment, Tony Atlas, um, Pedro Morales, if you if you if you didn't know about that battle royal, you would never think that Pedro Morales was ever in a WrestleMania. Same thing goes with uh, Danny Spivey. Danny Spivey was in that WrestleMania, so it was unique having some of these guys in there mixed in with some of the football players, like you said, William Perry, you know, Russ Francis, uh, Bill Freelich. There were some big names, uh, uh, Harvey Martin, some big NFL players at the time. So this was. This, this made this show, in my opinion, one of the, the matches that made this show feel like that huge WrestleMania extravaganza. And, it, and this match was held on the Chicago card, and Chicago is a big football town, so I think it made sense to do it there. Looking at it now, I'm wondering if, because they had their talent, the WWF had their talent spread out, among three different cities. Do you think they invited the NFL players to partake just so they'd have enough bodies to kind of put together this type of match? I don't think so. I think it was a way to just, you know, 
give that show an extra added feel to it. And that, and that battle roller definitely did. And then Perry, who I believe was on Chicago beers at the time, they're in Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what, what, a, what a amazing uh, moment for, for the, the live crowd, just to, to see their hero uh, mixed up with the WWE guys. So yeah, man, I think it was a win-win all around. And, and that wasn't even the final match of that show in that market. It was the British Bulldogs capturing the WWF World Tag Team titles, uh, defeating the Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. And Ozzy Osbourne was in the corner of the British Bulldogs with Captain Lou Albano. Obviously, Johnny Valiant in the corner with the Dream Team. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the Tag Team episode. I remember watching this on the big screen when it was on closed circuit at William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey. And I was just a little kid crying of joy when the Bulldogs captured the tag team titles. I guess it was a fitting way to end WrestleMania in that market, considering it was a tag team title change. You have Ozzy Osbourne in the corner, who was a gigantic celebrity at the time. Well, what a great match that was. It was a fantastic match. All four people that participated in that match, Davey Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid, Greg Valentine, Brutus Beefcake, what talent. And so to have them packaged together in a big deal, main event for Chicago, tag team titles on the line. You have the baby faces going over, becoming the new champs. Like you said, you had an emotional response to it. That's how good the match was. That's how good the buildup was. You add in Ozzy as like the celebrity interest. Uh, amazing. You have Lou Albano there. It's a great story, a great tag match for any card. Huge for WrestleMania. I love that it was a main event. Chicago, because if it was part of just one card in one city, it would have been up on the card. It would have been high up, but it wouldn't have been the go-home match for, for an arena. And so for that to be the last match in Chicago, what a way. The buzz in that building must have been unreal as the crowd went crazy. Now, my question to you, Tommy, is you just had the dream team live and in person in New Jersey at one of your signings. Did you tell them that you wept with joy when they lost <laughs> the straps? I did not. I did not did tell not. them that. <laughs> All right. But I'll tell you what, though. They were great to work with, man. I, I had them back uh, last month in well, December. I had them. And uh, they did great, man. They did great. A lot of people ordered for them, and they couldn't have, both couldn't have been easier to work with. But, they were, uh, yeah, they I, were a fun one to watch. From, from just being on this side of the screen watching. They were a fun one to watch. <laughs> yeah. Anyone out there also, they can actually watch that. It's actually on our webpage. Uh, if you go to 80swrestlingcon.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can actually watch that live virtual signing. And all the other ones we do as well, uh, they're all up on the webpage, 80swrestlingcon.com. We're going to move over to Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Well, Tommy, let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. Before we move to L.A., right now we've gone New York, we've gone Chicago. We're going to do this at the end as well. But right now, if you were able to have a ticket right now, would you have picked to be at the New York show or would you have preferred to be at the Chicago show as of right now before we talk L.A.? At me now or me as a kid? Oh, let's do it both ways. You as a kid and you now. Me as a kid probably – the British Bulldogs uh, and Rosemont Horizon, just because me, I remember just the way I, I reacted when they won the tag team titles. I imagine if I would have saw it live, it would have probably been cooler. As as a, as now, 
I would have loved to have been in Nassau because I would love to have seen that boxing match live and in person. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough call because you'd like to see the tag team match. The Battle Royal would have been awesome to see. I would have loved to have seen Randy Macho Man, uh, Savage live and in person in his younger days like that. I would have loved to have seen Jake live, the boxing match. I think it would be tough. I had to choose right now. I think I would have preferred to be sitting front row in Chicago if I had to pick. But now New York's East Coast, Chicago's more towards that side of the country. We're going all the way across, all over fly across, flyover country, Minnesota, and we're landing in L.A., Los Angeles, for the last city on the card. Tommy, start us off, sir. Ricky Steamboat opens that up against Hercules Hernandez, defeating him in seven minutes and 27 seconds. Hercules is, is someone that I feel doesn't get enough credit or enough recognition as far as the role he played in the WWF during that time. He was a great heel, and he was also a great babyface when they turned them good. Uh, they, the fans got behind both ways. And then he was also a part of, you know, uh, Power and Glory with Paul Roma. Hercules is someone you don't, you don't hear enough of his name. And I think that he should get a lot more credit than he does. I could not agree more. I liked Hercules as a kid. He is big. He's strong. He carried that chain around. He was a solid wrestler, solid performer, solid character. I think you're right. I think he's one of those names that people just kind of don't really even think about when they talk about 80s wrestling. But, yeah, he was a solid performer. And, I mean, what else more can you say about Rookie Steam? Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, next up was Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart <laughs> defeating Uncle Elmer in three minutes and one second of a barn burner of a match. Adonis is another one, in my opinion, that does not get the credit he deserves uh, from that time period. I mean, he was such an amazing heel, and he also had the flower shop at the time, which was a talk show segment, kind of like Piper's Pit or the Barber Shop. Uh, he, he really, really, really contributed a lot to the product back then, and I, I, don't, I just don't think he gets his, his fair share either as far as uh, the impact he had on the on the promotion at the time. You need great heels in order to have great baby faces. And like you said, Adrian was that. And if you look at his career, how he transitioned from like a tough biker dude character uh, to the Adrian Adonis that we saw um, in the WWF, like what a transition character wise. And for the time, like you talk about groundbreaking and like oh, treading yeah. in areas that make people uncomfortable. Like that's what a great heel supposed to do. And he was doing that uh, before you saw a lot of that in other places in society. And so, yeah, he had like his finger on the pulse of what made people feel uncomfortable. And he pushed the limits for that time. And so tremendous heel, tremendous character. Absolutely. Up next was tag team action. It was Hoss and Terry Funk with Jimmy Hart defeating the Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana. JYD and Tito, man, were two of the big baby faces from that era. Uh, both of them also on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. And, uh, oh, no, I, I, I find it was an odd place on the card for those guys because I think both guys were, were big stars then. Now they're teaming up against uh, the Funks with Jimmy Hart. And I don't know. I mean, Funks really didn't have 
that spectacular of a run in WWF. I, I just think it was a odd match on the show. I think it was an odd spot for both of those guys to be on. But I guess when there's just so many guys on the show, you can only fit so many guys in. I guess it's better having JYD and Tito in a tag match than just throwing throwing them in a in a battle royal. You know. You're probably right, and there's probably a reason that they had JYD and Tito in L.A. with Hulk Hogan. It might have had something to do with the rock and wrestling or the cartoon tie-in, but you're right. It seems like an odd place to them because the Funk Brothers did not have a tremendous run in the WWF in the 80s. Um, Terry Funk, of course, would come back later and do some some bigger things, but it is kind of a, a weird fit, but there had to be a reason for it. And like you said, it's probably because those two wrestlers were top baby faces. They were big names for the company at the time. And so they needed to be on the card and they just needed to find a place uh, to put them in. And I think they ended up taking the loss in that match too, unfortunately. Yeah, they did. Unless, you know, maybe, maybe the company had big plans for the funks and what better way to, to get them over than by going over on two of the top baby faces in the company at the time. I mean, that could have been in as well, but I just, I just thought it was a weird spot for those guys to be in. And then uh, the final match of the entire show is a steel cage match for the WWF World Heavyweight title. Hulk Hogan defeats King Kong Bundy with Bobby the Brain Heenan. WrestleMania moment. Still remember it like it was yesterday. And I guess right off the top of my head, the first thing that I can think of is when I think of this match is how isn't King Kong Bundy in the WWF Hall of Fame when he main evented, main evented WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan of all people. That's it's a head scratcher. There has to be something behind the scenes that that we don't know because, like you said, he main evented WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. But not only that, he had a lengthy career and he had high profile matches with other big name baby faces in the company throughout his years. And he had crossover appeal. He would end up in other main street uh, or main street areas within the world of entertainment. He appeared on married with children as a guest star. Uh, He appeared on a couple other uh, television shows. And so he was well known and he was a big man that could work. He was the perfect opponent for Hulk Hogan at this time. Hogan loved the big opponent where he could get sympathy trying to slam him, but he can't, his back gives out. He's got the hurt ribs. Finally, he hulks up and he's able to do it. He's one of the top villains to go against Hogan in the early eighties. And he definitely deserves his spot and his recognition for that. And talk about sliding down the card. If you think about it, here's Bundy in the main event challenging for the world title at WrestleMania two. One year later, WrestleMania three, it's now Bundy teaming up with two midget wrestlers against Hillbilly Jim and two midget wrestlers. <laughs> However, though, I will say this. It was it, it, it had a special feel to it that match. It, it it felt more it felt like an attraction having Bundy with two midgets against Hillbilly and two midgets. It was an attraction. And I could see why they, they put it on that show, but I'm just saying what a what a slide down the ladder though, huh? It was an attraction match, and it is a slide down the ladder, but once you main event against Hulk Hogan, unless you have a similar level babyface to go against, in the next Mania, Hulk Hogan's going up against an even bigger opponent. 
an even bigger man than King Kong Bundy. And so, yeah, I don't know what else you would do to him rather than slide him down and have him some kind of feud on the card that was at least still an attraction. I'm a fan of Bundy. I think you're right. I think he deserves more recognition. I think he probably deserves a Hall of Fame uh, ballot so that he can get in there. Yeah, interesting how, yeah, from one WrestleMania you go from the main event to sliding down, like you said. But a lot of that, too, was that was often what happened to Hogan's villains. They would build you up. You would have your blow-off match with Hogan, and then maybe they didn't have anything else for you, so it felt like you were kind of feeling your way through the through the next year. Yeah. Overall, overall, what's your, what's your take and your thoughts on WrestleMania 2? I, I think it was a big, you know, spectacular. Those three different locations, some really, really unique matches. We, we talked about the boxing match, Hogan and Bundy in a cage, that battle royal. Just, just, just was large in life. I think I want to go back and watch WrestleMania 2 now. What I liked about it was it was a gamble to do the three different cities, the three venues, but they gambled. They went for it, and I think it paid off. And what they did right is they had interesting matches in all three cities. So it's not like one city was a, was a snoozer and had all the, the early matches, and then one city had the mid-card, and then one had the main event matches. They made each city have something that was must-see, something that was can't-miss, something that had your attention. And so you were interested in the entire show, which – is hard to do when you're in one place, much less three. So they did a really nice job executing it. I don't know if you found the time of WrestleMania two, how long it was start to finish, but I imagine it was a pretty lengthy show. Yeah. And another, another thing that we, we, we should also mention also Jay, which we didn't was whatever town that the fans are in. So as I say, they watched their portion of WrestleMania in New York afterwards the big screens in that arena would show Chicago and Los Angeles as well. And, and right. vice versa for the other towns. So that, I mean, that's cool too, that those fans got to see the other uh, events while they were still live in their, in their, uh, their arena too. So overall, just a very unique concept. Uh, very, very, very cool. I, I always uh, think of WrestleMania two as one of the biggest uh, events just for that reason alone. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I give it a thumbs up. Time. All right, so now that we've covered all three cities, if you were to, to have one ticket to be in one city, would it be New York, would it be Chicago, or would it be Los Angeles? Well, I mean, if I was a, as a young fan, I'd have to – Hulk Hogan was my favorite, so I'd have to probably pick Los Angeles to see Hogan live against Bundy in that cage. Now, uh, as an adult, if I was to pick – if I can go in a time capsule and go back, if I had the chance to pick those three, uh, I don't know, man. I think I'll still I'll still go with Nassau Coliseum because as an adult, I can just uh, drive there and be there in two hours. <laughs> you are picking not you're you're picking New York over Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. If like you had the to, chance, hang on, you had the chance to see Hulk Hogan. Battle King Kong Bundy in the old blue steel cage, and you're gonna pass that up to see a boxing match with Mr. T. 
Well, you said as, as a kid, I said I picked Hulk Hogan against King. I'm Kong. talking about right now. If you could go back right now, this moment, to one of those cities to watch one match, you, you wouldn't pick the main event? You wouldn't pick Hogan championship match in the cage? I just really wanted to see George Wells, man. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I can't argue with that. Well said. Smart man. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, we, uh, we definitely call this one in the ring. Uh, big time because we had a guest scheduled uh, for this episode. I don't want to say who it is because uh, we're going to probably have him back. If not next week, then soon. Um, but right when uh, the show, 30 seconds before the show started, he said it was a bad time and we'd have to reschedule with him. So we had nothing to work with. And we, we had 30 seconds uh, to figure something out, which we didn't have 30 seconds because it went live and we just literally uh, called it. And luckily we're both in front of a computer. We both, went to uh, WrestleMania too, but I think uh, we, we pulled it off, Jay. I think that it turned out to be a, a very interesting conversation. And I think that a lot of people will probably go back and watch WrestleMania two on the network to this conversation. The nice thing is, is when you are talking with somebody who loves eighties wrestling, you always have something to talk about. What is an era just full of amazing things. So there's always something to talk about. So there's never a lull in the conversation when two people are together talking 80s wrestling. And I also learned that Mr. Tommy Vera had his WrestleMania moment back at WrestleMania 15. Did not know that. So that's an amazing thing. Passed up an opportunity. Well, you didn't pass it up. You unfortunately missed an opportunity to meet Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper in his prime. But you did get your WrestleMania moment later on. So we'll call that a wash. I don't know. But that's, that's very cool. Yeah, man. So uh, real quick before we end the episode, really just want to promote real quickly our upcoming live virtual signings coming up the next few months. In, uh, the, the next one coming up is February the 15th. It's going to be Ron Simmons we have. Then February 22nd, we have the Powers of Pain. Followed by March 8th, we have Wendy Richter. March 22nd, we're doing a double header with Cowboy Bob Orton and Craig DeGeorge. And then we have Virtual Mania. On Sunday, March the 28th, it's our only day we're not doing it on Monday to make it, just to give it a special feel to it. We have Haku, Jake the Snake Roberts, the Orient Express, and Skinner. Again, that's Sunday, March the 28th for Virtual Mania. We're then going to have Stan Hansen on April the 26th, Kent Patera on May 10th, Nikita Koloff, May 24th, the Rock and Roll Express, June 7th. And the Head Shrinkers, Samu and Fatu slash Rikishi, on June the 21st. Also, we're going to be opening ProWrestlingVirtualSignings.com on the 15th of this month. The first event on there will be the Extreme Virtual Signing on April the 19th. And that's with Shane Douglas, Jerry Lynn, Two Cold Scorpio, Mikey Wolprecht, and Simon Diamond. And we just announced last night on our uh, Facebook page that we're going to be having Eric Rowan, former WWE star, on May the 17th. And I'm going to be announcing some more names in the upcoming day or two. And we're just going to blend them all together. It's going to be called the Monday Night Virtual uh, because eventually we're going to run out of 80s guys at the pace we're going. So we're going to be blending in 80s guys with more current guys, all going to be under one umbrella, 
ProWrestlingVirtualSignings.com. But for the time being, until February 15th, you can get all that information on 80sWrestlingCon.com. Woo! I'm hoping you read all that because that's way too many big names to remember. What a lineup, actually, Tommy. I was actually on, on our website looking at them while I was announcing them. Smart uh, man. I, I, I guess I can announce as well because uh, by the time this podcast uh, drops, I'll probably have already announced another guest. And uh, that's going to be on Monday, June the 28th. We're going to be having Billy Gunn do a virtual signing with us as well. Billy Gunn, what a career that man has had. I remember going to a live house show, and I was sitting fairly close to the aisle where the wrestlers came. And when Billy Gunn walked by, I swear to you, that was the thickest human being I had seen in my life up to that point. You have no idea how good of a shape Billy Gunn is in until you see him in person. Like, it's amazing. What a great guest, Tommy. I don't know how you keep lining up these superstars, but what a treat for us fans. So thank you for doing it. Thank you, man. And thank you for everyone out there that uh, keeps supporting it. And again, we're going to be adding more dates. It's all going to be umbrellaed under Monday Night Virtual. And for the time being, for more information on all of them, please head over to 80swrestlingcon.com. Uh, next week, I guess I don't want to say we're going to have a guest and it doesn't pan out. So we'll just call it in the ring next week like we did today. There you go, Tommy. Great having a conversation with you. Enjoy your week, and we'll catch everybody next time on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.